a little song I wrote. You might want to sing it note for note. Don't worry. Be happy. In every life we have some trouble. But when you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. Hello, hello, hello to you on the other end of this phone call, on the other end of this podcast, in your AirPods or your EarPods or your speakers or your phone or your car, wherever you are, welcome to this podcast. This is the Pop and Jay Show. I'm Pop. No, no, wait, let me start there again. I'm Jay. Yes. Oh, and Work. I'm the other, the pop thing. Yep, get it? He's my pop. And my name's Jessica, and my name starts with a J, and a pop and J is a bird that talks a lot. And once upon a time, we talked a lot about stuff, and heck, why not talk today about stuff? Because, because I'm worried. What are you worried about? Um, well, I'm currently worried about worry because we're going to talk about worry. So I'm worried that we won't talk sufficiently or enough or properly about worry. And that worries me. Well, it's funny you should say that because honestly, just thinking about the subject is pretty triggering for me. I always note that whenever I like start to read something about anxiety or somebody's anxiety attacks. It really does something. It gets my chest a little bit tightened up. So if if you share in that kind of a struggle out there listening, fear not, worry not. I'm going to do my best to keep this light, fluffy, and helpful because I uh, I do struggle with worry and anxiety, as many do. But I thought maybe this would be something good for us to talk about during this weird, crazy time that we're in. And I don't think we've had a full podcast like just on worry itself. Um, but I have so I have so many kids and so many things going on now that honestly I don't know anymore. But why not? Why not talk a little bit about this and try and work through it a little bit, right? We reach out to each other and to you out there, and maybe we can get through something together. So as you said. We are going to talk about worry because I had this idea um, that people are this coronavirus thing going on right now and whatever else everybody's worried about, like related to that, the, the financial stuff and all that, that there's the sickness of the virus itself. And then there's the sickness that comes from worry, which is super real and um, some people, like as of today, my brother, who's a who's a physician, sent out this really great article. Um, like 600 doctors today sent a letter to President Trump, where they're more concerned with the other effects besides coronavirus of all this 
lockdown, shutdown, isolation stuff. And one of so, those concerns is worry and depression and anxiety and the things that come from us, you know, social creatures, humans being locked away from each other like animals. You mean placed on house arrest and uh, deprived of our constitutional rights? Is that what you mean? Yeah, and what are, where do constitutional rights derive from? God, like we, these are ingrained in us. Like even if you're not an American, like this is hard for everyone. Well, to to give major credit to Arthur, my son, who is a doctor, a real one, um, and he played one on TV the other day too. Um, he did when this when this thing first started. If anyone if anyone's old enough to remember when they initially told us two weeks to flatten the curve and make sure the hospitals were not overwhelmed. Every, I think pretty much every American was like, that seems reasonable. And boy, did we fall for that crap. But anyway, Arthur early on said he was very worried about many of his patients and other patients who were being deprived of, uh, quote, non-essential medical uh, treatment to make way for the wave that never came and still is not coming. And people that need to see their doctors on a weekly basis for things like diabetes, heart disease, congestive heart failure, whatever it is, uh, quote, elective surgical procedures, you know, things like biopsies for cancer, so Arthur was worried early on about that, and now those doctors today, that thing you mentioned, uh, they're pointing this out. It's anecdotally happening everywhere. Uh, people are dying and becoming and getting more and more sick uh, because of all this. So, yeah. Yeah. But we, dig- we digress. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't even know what a digression is anymore. It's like life is one big digression. Like today, I finally had to go to work to do something, and it just felt so good. And I know we're going to talk about stuff. Like, there's the other side of it. Like, there's – I'm learning so much about myself. Like, I, God can bring good out of all of this, and he brings good out of everything. And um, that is playing itself out because, you know, when this first happened, like we first went on lockdown, there's the part of me that – because I'm a teacher – so I do still have to work, but from home. So that's good on one hand because I get to be with my children more, small children, three and almost one. So I should be over the moon about that, but it's really been very difficult. And I've found myself struggling with anxiety and feeling overwhelmed and not having any outlet. You know, we're also as Catholics, in, I'm in California. We've been deprived of the sacraments, going to mass, all of that, plus all the other normal things that we do. So, like, I get it. On one hand, I tell myself, like, it's natural that you would worry. Um, Lots of people are struggling right now. But then there is the other hand where God can also teach us about ourselves, like, maybe I need too many things to make myself, quote, unquote, happy or whatever, which is also... Maybe something else we might talk about is that what 
should we be going for? Are the people who actually are at peace the most just happy? Like, or are they content for some other reason? I don't know. Like, what are we even shooting for here? Yeah. Well, let's define it first, like we do as good philosophers, huh? Um, A dictionary definition of worry is giving way to anxiety or unease, allowing one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. And for my part, personally, I've been thinking about it, and I I, I see worry as one form of, of fear maybe a daughter of fear or something, uh, definitely related. Uh, the well, the, is, uh, the difference is uh, fear sometimes has a good basis and a good reason. And sometimes if you're not afraid, there's something wrong with you. Um, but worry really doesn't. I mean, it's, yeah. it's almost, almost impossible to, to eradicate it completely anyone, but there's really no solid foundation for it. There's, there's never like a good time. Like fear can be disordered. People have phobias that, that aren't necessarily rational, uh, but some fear is good. You should be afraid of some things, uh, but you just should never let your fear lead you. But worry, there's, uh, I don't know, but we are, as you just said, unprecedented, uh, time of global worry. Uh, every country in the world is going through this mass hysteria right now. And I don't think there's ever been anything like this. Well, if for no other reason, I mean, I can't, if we were actually going through something like World War II right now at the, like, let's say if, if the numbers were um, exponentially like equivalent for today for our population so if we had that many people dying and we had that i don't know we might be we might be that um this same level of like fear because the thing we have that's different than then would be the ability to like constantly share and be absorbed by information so it's like this double-edged sword of like i always i'm so connected quote-unquote like virtually that it can be like itself kind of uh, deadly like you don't just tune into the nightly news at the end of the day it's just like flowing through your veins like constantly and you hear about it you see it on your watch pop up you, like I just you're overwhelmed by if something bad happens you know and it always does there's always bad things that are happening so every single thing with this coronavirus like whereas I'm pretty sure previous generations might have noticed quicker than we have like oh it's really only killing old people so probably we should you know help that population and everybody else should kind of just do their like thing and be careful around the the populations that are in danger and it would have been a little bit more I feel like common sense would have taken over because but now it's like whatever happened it always turns into this hysteria. And it, this is obviously like the most extreme because they were able to do something that they probably wanted to do for a long time. And that's physically lock us down. Like, yeah. but you know, if there's like a school shooting or something, which it, that is a crisis and it is an epidemic, but it feels like it's happening everywhere because 
that's how the news is, even if it's like this tiny little percentage or whatever. Like there's like literally no cases of children. Like there's like one, I think I just heard, what was it for? It, I don't think it was Sweden. I think it was another European nation where they had literally one pediatric um, death that they could link to COVID-19 for all of this time, the whole time, for like six months. Yet still, it's like we're acting as if children are going to get this thing too. And, so, and it's, it's, it's kind of crazy because like you'll hear, you'll read a story about one event and it sends you into this worry and you're like, I guess being able to weed through if it's founded or not founded. But then what I was going to say about what you said about fear and anxiety when like I've struggled with like anxiety attacks and stuff. And Dr. Popchuk has a really great book called, um, unworried Dr. Greg Popchuk. It's a, it's, it's very helpful. But one of the things he says when you are trying to analyze if what you're feeling is justifiable or not, if you're feeling fear, which like you said, that's what you feel when you're starting to have an anxiety attack. So if you're feeling a fear, you have to ask yourself, am I in any danger right now? Is there anything that's pursuing me? Because if not, then yes, you're right. What you are feeling is a, is a, is a incorrect response to what is a natural evolutionary thing. Fear is important. And so you're, you're whatever that thing is that's being triggered, hypothalamus or something in your brain is being triggered and no, you shouldn't be feeling fear. So fear is the incorrect emotion to feel if there's no, nothing around you to be afraid of. I try to remind myself of that a lot because the only time you should be feeling fear, fear is super important. You need it. It, it. Like you need to know when something dangerous is happening. But if nothing dangerous is happening and you're feeling afraid, then then there is a problem. And that's a problem that a lot of people are having right now. Yeah, that's the best way to say it. It's a disorder of a valid response. Um, I saw a Tolkien quote from Return of the King uh, from the Lord of the Rings story, uh, which reminds me of the sort of conventional wisdom right now. It says, uh, the whole thing is quite hopeless. So it's no good worrying about tomorrow. It probably won't come. Um, <laughs> that's that's like the battle cry right now. It's everybody's kind of lost their uh, not everybody, but collectively we've kind of lost our damn mind. Um, and I, I, I said it was unprecedented. It was definitely unprecedented. Ten years ago. Uh, with a different president and a different, shall we say, uh, media uh, crusade. Their crusade was the exact opposite 10 years ago for the, the H1N1, the, the swine flu. Uh, yeah. Tens of, tens of thousands of people died, and that particular one went after little kids. I think in the first, like, three or four months, we lost well over a thousand small children to it. Uh, it really attacked kids. Uh, you never heard about it. Uh, we certainly didn't cancel anything. Most people didn't pay any attention at all. Certainly the media paid almost no attention. The president at the time, 
didn't even declare uh, a national emergency until I think five months after it was known to be raging. 60 million Americans supposedly contracted it at one point or another in that little over a year period. Um, My mother-in-law had it. Crickets. Crickets in the media. And so it's it's just bizarre. It's bizarre. It's just everything is has to be political now. Everything has to be political. Uh, conversations with my family, uh, my brothers and folks on back home, uh, they're all, most of them are rabid anti-Trump people uh, because of their, I guess, because of their union connections, which is odd because Trump's done a lot more for workers than his predecessors. But anyway, they, uh, they're they like firmly in the Anyone that wants to leave their house is is evil. And it's bizarre how this has become so incredibly politicized to where now we have these states that are trying to open versus states that are refusing to try to open. And you can draw a, a, a line of demarcation. And, and basically, it's the red states that are like 30 of them. They're trying to open, and it's like 20 states that, that most of which don't even can't even show you any numbers. Well, there's some. No, there's the, the thing is there's plenty of blue states that are opening. You're not hearing about it. Like, you, DeSantis well, got dragged through the mud <laughs> like he was the monster super villain. You mean, from you mean you mean the governor that saved tens of thousands of elderly people by focusing on yeah. uh, protecting them because he realized that they were the target audience. Yeah. And there's like, where is his apology? Like, where is his parade? He, like yeah. they have almost the same population, New York state and Florida state. And they have like one tenth or less than like the, the deaths of New York. And well, well, hold on a minute. Florida, Florida has, more people than New York, number one. And number two, Florida, I mean, they're pretty has, close. Florida has far more elderly people. It's not right. even close. Mm-hmm. That's true. There is a higher average population. Yeah. And, and the way that um, New York State was so badly handled. So, okay. So, like, I guess we're getting off, like, a little bit because it's, like, is that a tangent? But oh, what I was going to say is you have a lot of blue states that are equally trying to open, like Colorado. Uh, that's a blue governor who's trying to open faster than we are here. You have a lot of blue governors who are not doing anything like ours. But you're just not hearing about it like as if they're evil. Meanwhile, Georgia has been open now for since the middle of, of May or whatever and or earlier and no spike in cases and nothing in the news. And if this is how this is related, I think to our topic is that I don't. Yeah. It was, it was I, like mid April actually. <laughs> oh, so it's been a while. So, so I know there's some Southern States that, but anyways, why this is related is because I've not even like the media. I haven't taken them seriously my entire life, really, since I since I first started getting into politics. Right out there's of no history. reason. There's no reason to take them seriously. They they don't even pretend to give you a reason to take them seriously. 
And so it does help that I like reach out to alternative media mostly and everything. But the problem is that for this particular crisis, especially, you know, it just, it, it went so overboard, so crazy, so big with the, especially in California, like all of a sudden my school was closed in like two days and, um, you know, everything was closed and my whole kid's lives got turned upside down and our trip to Disneyland was canceled and like everything in the world is like, can't go to the beach, can't do anything, can't go to the grocery store, nothing feels normal. So while like on one level, I'm like, yeah, they're all full of crap. And because I do believe to a wide degree, not that the virus is made up, but it's way, like this, that everything is pushing an agenda, which is for whatever reason, the media does want us to stay in this mode of like anxiety and lockdown. So on one level, I'm like, yeah, they're so full of it. But then on the other level, I have this part of me that still is just worried. Like I, I don't like that feeling like everything's wrong and like everything is not the way that it is supposed to be. And it, it, it still does get to me, you know, and that's, um, Hold on. Um, sorry. That is yeah. why. That is why I have used this time to try and get closer to God and closer to, which I hope a lot of people out there are doing. And and also, just I guess for people to remember, and that, that I keep trying to tell myself, like, this is the same in just all medical things, like all life. You have to be your own best advocate for health and, and well-being. And you can't always believe that, I don't know, that the experts know everything. You have to kind of also kind of know yourself. And I started to realize recently, like, I just have to do the things that bring me peace the best that I can and, you know, try not to let so much input come into my brain yeah. because there's a lot out there. There's a lot of noise. And you had quoted Lord of the Rings. My favorite quote about worry that I've been trying really hard to think about is is from Matthew chapter 6, which is, you know, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. Yeah. There's there's just, there's so much, if we can stay in the moment, well, to worry if about. You back, if you back that up uh, to verses 25, through 27 it's even deeper he says therefore i tell you do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body what you will wear it is is life not more than food and the body more than clothes look at the birds of the air they do not sow or reap or store stow away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much more valuable than they can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And that's straight from God's own mouth. <laughs> so, and yeah. it's like we hear it, but we do we take it? I try to, you know. I guess that's the yeah. point is every day I try. And um, also... I'm reading probably the best book I've ever read, which is called He Leadeth Me by Father Walter Chizek. And right. it's about a, a priest um, 
it's a deeply moving personal story of it's a priest who was captured by the Russian army during World War II. Anyways, there's a lot in here that's amazing. And it's, I'm taking it, I'm reading it right now, and it feels very apropos. Is that the right word? Because I feel like I'm kind of going through whatever, like we're all going through whatever we're going through right now. Um, but like he keeps having these realizations of like, Oh, I only, I was, I was trying to do this this, and this, but it was all me. I was trying to do it. I didn't, you know, really surrender my will to God. I didn't, even though I would say that like, Oh God, please be with me. I wasn't actually surrendering my will to his, you know, so that's something else that I think for control freaks, which tend to be the people who have the most problems with anxiety, just kind of type a, um, yeah. Controlling people. I am one of them. Uh, so when you don't have control, when you start to feel like you have anxiety, well, that's the point is that like, we don't have control. Like none of us have any, it's all, not an illusion and God does want us to use the, the gifts that we have, but man, like I'm really trying to get to that humility place. I hope I, I get there. It's like, I feel like that's the moment that you'll have peace when you can really just say, I don't know. Um, I was in, well, thinking about this, topic when we were talking about doing this um and i thought okay worry and the definition and all this stuff uh then i i thought about uh is there a real difference between worrying about a real thing or a potential or imaginary thing um and i don't think there is I, i because i think the act of worrying itself is somewhat irrational um, so if you're worried about it quickly, a real thing can become imaginary because there's you know, people that are worried about, uh, getting this disease, this Chinese thing. Um, and okay. So it, it exists. It's a real thing, but the level of the worry, it like makes it into an imaginary thing because, you know, if you're, uh, 31 year old human, who's otherwise very healthy with no underlying conditions, uh, the odds are in the 99 percentile that even if you do contract it, you may not even notice and you certainly are not going to die. And those, those stocks are out there, but there's still people with that, with that concern or that worry. And it's, you know, it's obviously it's been stoked <clears throat> heavily by the media and the politicians. And when it first started just to, just, to, to be fully on the record, I I never thought this was a hoax. Someone said the president said it was a hoax. He never said that. Never, not once, ever, never. Um, no, he was, no. Yeah, anyway, um, when this thing first uh, came out, in fact, he's the one who everyone called him dumb because he <laughs> canceled travel from China, which turned out to probably save, uh, ooh, God, who knows? Um, thousands of lives but when it when it first came out remember the first model the one that they based the entire world based this on was that guy 
in the UK, uh, Ferguson, Neil Ferguson, uh, his initial model said that half a million uh, Britons were going to die. And his same model said, I think he said 2.2 million Americans are going to die. So they gave those numbers to the president and our leaders. And if someone tells you, if some supposedly credible source tells you that, and you're in, in a position of authority, you have to listen to that. But it wasn't even, yeah. it wasn't even two weeks later that that guy, uh, recanted his own numbers and, and immediately said, no, I, I was, uh, you know, whatever. I didn't carry the four and I vigorously should have gagged it. The numbers are actually quite different. And then it came from, it went from 2.2 million to like 80,000 or 120,000 or whatever. Oh no, maybe it was 200,000. So the whole game changed right there. The very model that they started with was, uh, I don't want to say debunked because it wasn't debunked. It was just shown to be false. And at that point right there, and that was, that was back in March when that knowledge was readily available and, and it, it was out there, but the media didn't care to touch it much. That's when everything should have come to a different resolution, but it didn't because they sort of liked this is, uh, not, I think it's my opinion, but I think it's uh, pretty supported by fact. They liked the attention, they being uh, our, quote, leaders um, and the media. They liked the attention. They liked the ratings. They liked the fact that people were uh, basically surrendering their civil rights to them at, you know, at a whim. They liked that feeling. And when the old saying that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely – could not apply more than it has during this because some of these governors, and thank God the courts are starting to strike them down. Uh, Oregon went down yesterday. Judge told the Oregon governor to go pound sand, and she could, uh, they could not extend the lockdown without. Dude, what's up with that governor? Good Lord, that state's the worst. Like, I'm starting to no, rank him no, in my journal. No, Michigan is the worst, followed closely Holy by New Jersey. smokes. But, but anyway, the point is um, – there's like two kinds of leaders in this. The, the leaders that were actually trying to follow the science are the ones yeah. who realized that initial model was way off. They also looked at the, the data that showed who this uh, virus, this Chinese virus, was affecting most. Like, like you said, uh, Governor DeSantis. And he's like, oh, guys, here's the deal. It's, it's after old people. We need to fix we need to protect the old people. And he said about doing that. That's what you should do. <laughs> Follow the science, right? Um, anyway, it, when it first, my only point there was it was a real thing. And when it first came out, uh, for any leader to ignore that dire, dire model, they would have been guilty of, of you know, horrible malfeasance. <laughs> So yeah. even, you know, up to and including the president. So, man, he jumped, he, that dude, like, jumped on this. Like, that was true leadership. He put together, he put people together. He got, early on, he had, like, all these presidents from all these big companies coming, and, and he put them in meetings and said, all right, guys, how are we going to, you know, okay, Walmart, Walgreens, Target. He, I remember that press conference where all those presidents, for all those companies, 
were at the White House and they were talking about, okay, we're going to give up our parking lots for drive-through testing and we're going to help with this. And this company is going to start making, I mean, stuff was just happening like crazy. And then the numbers started coming in for what's really happening and the right adjustments weren't being made in a lot of places. And so you have states that literally do not have a problem. Uh, numerically, scientifically, data, they do not have a problem with this thing, and they are still trying to stay shut, even though they, there's no reason for it. Um, and then I'm really scared, too. I was uh, listening to Mark Stein on in for Rush the other day, and, man, he made so many good points, but, like, one that really scared the, the worried me, as we speak of worry, is just imagining the precedent that this has set up for future lockdowns because of whatever, like uh, climate change. Like when, every time I see a story about how global emissions have come down during this lockdown, I shudder because I think they're going to use that somehow because that's the, at the end of the day, there's a lot of different things going on here. You know, there's like the, on the macro level and the micro level, like me and my little world, there's a lot going on in myself. Like all these things that I think that I need that I don't really need that I am learning a lesson about. So like, yeah, I'll bring good out of this. But on the, on the, the big level, there's also a lot of things that like I want to stay aware of as somebody who's pretty active, not anymore, but I care about the world and I know that there is a huge, huge philosophical, huge disparity between myself and a lot of this country. And, you know, it's funny because when we get right down to it, you and I and now I would say probably coming along is all surprisingly, uh, Arthur will be probably the next most like rabid on uh, f like what we would call on the right, right? Because yeah. some of my like some of my other siblings who are devout Catholics and conservative by nature just have this natural antipathy. Like when they hear me start to talk about Ben Shapiro or Rush Limbaugh, they like kind of twitch. Like, oh, that's just so controversial, you know? Why you got to be so? Why you always got to be so uh, argumentative? And the so it's funny because. I still believe that many people, most people maybe, because most people are conservative by nature. They just live their lives in that kind of a way. They just don't comprehend the, the actual forces of evil that are at work. And I say evil, and I mean evil. Like, yes, there's a lot of people on the left who are not evil. They're just, they, they, they have a different opinion than me and we, fundamentally disagree about the nature of government and the, their role in our lives. But then you have people who like their goal really is evil things like the destruction of human life in the womb. And they don't mean it for good. They're, they're, they're pretty evil about it, you know, or there's people who like, they really do want to like Lord over people. Like, they believe people are dumb. Like they, they look at us as mindless plebes and they call us things like flyover country. And they think of us in a, in a small way because like you said, absolute power corrupts and 
so you, you do have to keep it in your mind. Like freedom is never more than a generation away from extinction. Like yeah, Reagan. we have, we have to keep it in our minds that people will use things like this. And, and that's why I just get so well, naturally annoyed by the virtue signaling uh, related to this particular thing right now. I was just well, telling my brother, I was battle. Their battle cry goes back to Rahm Emanuel 10 or more years ago, never let a crisis go to waste. They're actually publicly saying that now we can use this to reshape uh, permanent public policy. That's, You're seeing it all over. Okay. You're seeing it all over with this. With, I mean, this is so, such a crisis right now. We haven't even talked about the financial aspect of it. You got like 35% unemployment when we were at three like three months ago, yeah. like you have people now on that are re- relying on the government that have never relied on the government before. And, and, government, and government likes that very much, by the way. Yeah. Much of government does. So the, you, we just have to, I don't know. So that's a worry that I have that that's more of like, it's funny, you know, we were talking about, like, good fear and bad fear. I feel like that one, though, is more of, like, a righteous indignation. Like, a let's actually keep that in the forefront of our concern. Like, be aware, because yeah. I see this virtue signaling, and I hear these things, and I want to be one of the ones who's like, you know, I don't, I'm not. In fact, one thing, for example, is I won't be going back to the Disney parks until they stop mandating people to wear masks because it looks like, cause they, today actually they opened Disney Springs. We're recording this on May 20th. Disney Springs is the equivalent of downtown Disney and the Florida parks. And they have a bunch of requirements. They've done a field day of just social distancing measures all over the place. Stand here, stand here in this bubble, you know, but the big one for me that's just not not going to happen is everybody over the age of three years old is required to wear a mask at all times. I got to tell you, I'm not taking this mask thing very well. I don't have yeah. a good nose. I don't breathe very well. It's I feel like worried. I'm being suffocated. Yeah, it gets to me. So <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't know. So, if that's a, well, it's, it's like I said, something you should be afraid of. And if you believe in uh, God-given rights that are enshrined in our founding documents, then you should be very afraid because they are, they are on chopping. It's it's almost like the constitution. uh, What the, the what? And don't you know, there's a virus. There's like a meme on the internet that was one of the best ones I've seen. And it's that famous painting of, the founding fathers in chambers uh, writing, you know, uh, ratifying and finalizing the constitution. And there's a caption that says, Oh, and by the way, all of this is null and void. If there's ever a virus, you know, uh, like the constitution gets sunsetted because there's a virus. So yeah, you, you should be afraid of that. Um, tyranny is, is, Oh, C.S. Lewis. My God. What about a quote? Uh, of all the tyranny, I'll paraphrase because I don't have it in front of me, but of all the tyrannies, uh, the, the worst of all and the one we should most fear 
is the one done for our own good because the the people who are tyrannizing us <laughs> for our own good are doing so with the approval of their own conscience. And you mentioned those people. A lot of people on, say, the left side of the aisle, if you want, but they they're not they're not bad people. They just really think that they need to do what's best for all of us, and we're not smart enough to figure it out. And so they do have uh, a feeling of self-righteousness when they do these things. And they do think that we're not smart enough to take care of ourselves. And honestly, some of us aren't. But guess what? That is part of life. Uh, There's going to be people that make bad choices no matter what the situation is. That doesn't mean, you know, that everybody has to get painted with the same brush. So I am worried about that. But back to worry. Irma Bombeck, she was so awesome. You're not old enough maybe to remember, but she had a column, like a weekly column in newspapers around the country, and she's just just really common sense but super funny lady. And she has an all-time worry quote where she says, uh, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it never gets you anywhere. Um, which is a, a nice and, you know, folksy, fun way to, to put it. But how true is that? What What is the fruit of worry? So I could say the fruit of, of a righteous fear, uh, say, you know, someone has a gun in a building and I'm scared. And so that fear leads me to take cover or whatever. So the fruit of that fear was me taking actions, Um to save my own life. But what is the fruit of worry? There is none. It, 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 it only hurts the worrier. It, it, only, it only brings anxiety and pain to the worrier. It doesn't have any fruit. There's nothing useful about it. Nothing. The interesting is females are drastically, largely more likely to suffer from like anxiety disorders or like struggle with panic attacks and worry and, I don't think that's entirely surprising because just by nature, I was just watching the amazing Seinfeld stand-up. His new stand-up special, which is 27 Hours to Kill, is so good. And there's one part where it's so good. But there's one part where he's talking about the difference between uh, single guys and married guys and like just how much, like it's not even in the same world. And he's just talking about like having a fight with his wife or a, t- a discussion with her. And then she goes into now the hypothetical, like now her brain goes <laughs> into all the like other things that you never, <laughs> that didn't even happen, but it's true. And, you know, it's like, I think about Marge Simpson, uh, like just, that's how I feel. often. just like, uh, like what? <laughs> there's just worry in there. Like, you know, and I think about Mary, Mary pondered these things in her heart. And I don't think that was a worry, but like, so it's kind of like a, a distortion. Like you're saying, like the rocking chair, it is nice. It can be something. It's also not getting you anywhere. Yeah, that's true. It's not, yeah, it's not it, going anywhere. It, so. it does give you something to do. And um, honestly, you know, my mom, uh, my saintly mother, who I believe is in heaven, um, was a worrier. She was, she was, the she was the queen of worrying, um, as a matriarch. And she just 
to her worrying about her kids and her grandkids was a form of her love. It, it really was. It was, uh, but you know what my mom did with her worry? Do you know what she did with it? She offered it up to God. Yeah. Yeah. She prayed. She offered it up to God and she constantly without ceasing as the Bible commands, she constantly and without ceasing prayed and talked to God about her worries. And guess, guess who was a very stable, mentally healthy, stable person? My mom, the great warrior. So yeah, she, she suffered from excessive worrying, but she used God to turn that into good. And that's what he does. That is what he does. And so uh, if you do what the Bible commands you and you turn that worry over to God, uh, he takes care of it, just like Jesus said he was. So. Well, okay, I have one other quote that I just found. So from that book I was telling you, He Leadeth Me, there's a quote from St. Ignatius that I think is something I'm – thinking about right now. So St. Ignatius says, man is created to praise, reverence, and serve God our Lord, and by this means to save his soul. The other things on the face of the earth are created for man to help him in attaining the end for which he is created. Hence, man is to make use of them insofar as they help him in the attainment of his end. And he must rid himself of them insofar as they prove a hindrance to him. Ah. Therefore, we must make ourselves indifferent to all created things. That's awesome. So I think for me, there's a lot in that because, you know, it's a, it's a double, it's a double edged sword being that I am like, I feel like I'm pretty joyful by nature in a lot of ways. Like I would consider myself sanguine by temperament. I like to be around people and make people happy and I, I like things and I like Disney and I like just stuff like that. But, you know, it's then when we start to lose things, quote unquote, or things change, you can fall into despair because all these things that you were, that you were maybe too attached to that weren't actually, anyways, it's whatever you said, but. A Christian guy, uh, John MacArthur, a great quote I found today. Howdy, partner. Sorry. He's a lot like Woody. Um, I was just moving uh, Woody doll. He wanted to be on the podcast. My name's Woody. Awesome. There's a snake in his boot. Um, My bad. He, anyway, this guy, John MacArthur, he said, worry is the sin of distrusting the promise and the providence of God. And yet, it is a sin that Christians commit perhaps more frequently than any other. And he's dead on right about that. Uh, We Christians uh, are, I think, maybe even more susceptible sometimes to worry. But it's what you do with that worry. And if you you do it, God knows we're going to worry. He he predicted it. Uh, What do his uh, angels... What phrase more than any in the Bible throughout it is be not afraid because he knows we are and he knows we worry. Um, and so St. Padre Pio, uh, famous, famous quote from him, pray, hope, and don't worry. Worry is useless. God is merciful and he will hear your prayer. Uh, I mean, how awesome is that? He's, he's right. 
it's easy for us to say, but so what I do when I start to worry uh, and I catch myself and I realize I'm, Hey, this is actual worry that you got going here. Um, I try really hard to do that. And I think of my mom and I think of her sitting in her chair day after day, night after night, so many years, and her mind wondering and thinking about her kids, her grandkids. She knows all this stuff that's going on. She she was in touch with dozens and dozens of, of grandkids and kids. So she has all these different issues and life issues going on with all these people that she loves. And some of them, as you know, Jess, are, were absolutely awful and heinous and legitimately some of the worst things that could happen to people. And she worried about all that stuff, but she worried while praying, and she gave that worry to God. And I can't think of a more healthy way to deal with uh, when you catch yourself worrying is to ask God, Hey, uh, oh, Heavenly Father, Almighty God, Lord Jesus Christ, I am caught in a worry cycle, and I would really like to uh, offer this this disordered emotion that I'm feeling up and ask for you to turn it to good and help me to turn it to good through your virtues. Give me strength, you know, give me fortitude to get through this instead of worrying about it. Let me do positive things that will help calm it down. That's probably like the number one best to say, don't worry is it's sort of like telling someone calm down. Something it's exactly does. the same thing. Yeah, it, you tell someone to calm down. Um, I mean, I teach crisis intervention. I'm a negotiator. I have all these years of training on how to communicate with people that are in crisis. And telling someone to calm down is it's not it, it's counterproductive. A lot of times, it makes it even worse. But even if it doesn't make it worse, it definitely doesn't make it better. Nobody in the history of ever has been in the middle of some ranting crisis and someone says, calm down. And they said, Oh, right. Okay. I'm calm. Never happened. Although it's always funny in a, in a movie when somebody just smacks somebody. Oh, you just took, you just made me think of airplane, the movie. I don't know your level of remembrance, but I have the whole movie basically memorized because it's so damn funny. But this lady was panicking. Someone said, calm down and slapped her. And then, People lined up, and they were taking turns. Uh, they literally lined up, and they were laughing <laughs> to get her to wow, calm you could down. not get away with that today, especially not for movies that's quote-unquote PG. So much yeah, that, and weirdness in that film. Oh, oh and then uh, the, the other thing uh, in the same line of offering to God and praying instead, um, a quote from another Christian, Max Lucado, he said, no one can pray and worry at the same time because... And again, back to my mom, and all roads lead to her sometimes for me, uh, especially on topics like this. Um, take that worry and start praying, and that worry turns into prayer. And it, it turns into powerful, powerful mental balm for your, for your emotions and your soul. Because if you're praying and talking to God, uh, the worry tends to dissipate. And that's it's not a secret, but that that would be the secret if there was a secret to me, anyway. Um, I haven't so there found 
I haven't found a secret, you know, there's no, there's no like cure all for anything for me, but except for one thing that I can offer to people out there is speaking of praying to God. If you start to feel yourself going down a road of anxiety or depression, just to remind yourself of all the times that God has gotten you through it, all the times that you've made it out, that you were okay. I've always been a warrior by nature. I can remember many times as a young child being extremely worried. I've had, I think, issues with this my whole life. And um, just remembering that God's always been there with me. And in the end, there will be no worries. Uh, that he wants a peace-filled, joyful, the the holy God-like, or, you know, the holy God-filled person that God sees when he looks at me is not one that's full of worry. It's one that's full of joy and peace and exudes that. And if I can keep that person as best I can, as much as I can in my mind and realize that I am a daughter of God and that is actually who I really am, that the rest of this, that anxiety riddled human being, um, it's part of the fallen world. And that is not what God wants for me. And that is not, that's not what, what life and especially afterlife is about. So hope, I feel like a big part of this problem right now is a lack of hope. Um, so speaking of Christian virtues, um, it felt like there hasn't been a lot of hope lately you know on the horizon so without well, hope anxiety really flares up it does so. well and, and without faith um ralph waldo of the emerson type uh you want a quotable guy uh, go read emerson because there's there's a few things on her better than reading emerson um he said sorrow looks back worry looks around while faith looks up, uh, it's kind of great, you know. It's a short and sweet. Uh, this Christian lady named Corey Tinboom, love that name by the way. Ten like the number ten boom. Uh, she says worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. Carrying two days at once, it is moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worrying does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Uh, That's a good one. That that is. That that makes me think of Jesus saying, you know, take my, take my load. My load is easy. Yep. My yoke. You know? Yeah. Yours, you can't even handle your, you can't even, you can't even count one of your hairs on your head. Like you worry about you know, you, you take on my yoke. So that's another thing too, is thinking about taking Jesus's just, I don't know. I have to go well, because my child is not sleeping still. And now it's time to go do stuff. All right. A couple quick ones. Uh, I had two left. One, a guy named Dan Zedra. Uh, I love this one. He says, worry is a misuse of the imagination. And for my part, uh, as you know, in my past being a writer and I have this great imagination um, and imagination can make you worry even more if you use it wrong. <laughs> but I try no to take doubt. action. Preach it. Instead of just sitting there worrying, I need to get up and do something. I think I've closed every one of our podcasts, however many now, we're getting close to 50 maybe, or maybe more. 
I've always said at the end, keep moving forward, right? That's my thing. Cause even taking small steps, uh, help you do something besides worrying. And Joshua chapter one, verse nine in the Bible, this should be the last word on it. Uh, have I not commanded you said God be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. How much more do we need to hear? <laughs> give it up. Give it to God. Let him deal with it. And you do something else instead, like positive. Pray. Take action. Help. Do something. And it's hard because we want to... We want to be in control, and we, we know we're like, but wait, this is that's not how it's supposed to go. It's supposed to go this way. I was going to do this today, yeah. <laughs> and and when things get like thrown off, you know. But that's the point. That's, we're being tested as gold is tested in yeah. fire, so we are being tested, and all the time, any day, all the time. So and one last one last word on this whole uh, apocalypse thing that's going on with this Chinese that flu thing. Um, if you are not afraid of the cure that has become worse than the disease, then, then, then you're not looking at it the right way. We should all be afraid of what this could mean. Uh, I think yeah. in, in late February or early March, uh, President Trump said he was worried that the cure might be worse than the disease. And you talk about saying something that later proved to be true. So let's, let's be afraid, but uh, let's use that, that fear to bring us to action uh, because that's how you get rid of fear and worry by acting and doing positive things. So. Yeah, there's a lot of so positive that, you can do right now, a lot. There's a lot of people that, you know, there's a lot of elderly people who have had like no contact. Yeah. Call them, write letters. Reach out Do to them, buy them a book. There's there's so many things that could be done. So and by the way, not, I, not a virtue signaling thing. Please don't post about it necessarily on Instagram. I'm just saying for the good of everything, for your soul and for yourself. To make you and, yeah, for and then. And by the way, uh for those of you listening to this who if you ever happen to be in the jurisdiction where I am a police officer here, um, you do not have to worry that I am going to uh, in any way mess with your constitutional rights because I'm not going to. And if it ever came to it, I just wouldn't have this job anymore. And I know most cops feel that way. And I'm lucky because our department and our city is not, uh, has not one time through this whole thing asked any police officer to violate anyone's constitutional rights. In other words, we're not going to enforce things that are not statutes because that's what we're sworn to uphold is legally passed statutes, not hysterical uh, decrees from uh, dictators. So uh, I just wanted to get that out there because I am grateful. For, I am grateful that I haven't yet had to uh, be put in that position. In fact, people do call us and why don't more people know that snitches get stitches? Cause we just, <laughs> We get so many calls every day. I, I could read some that would make you laugh and cry at the same time. People call and say, um, there are six people on this basketball court down the street from me, and they're not wearing masks, 
and they are getting closer than six feet and you need to go talk to them. And our supervisors cancel those calls as quick as they come in because... Dude, de Blasio, when he asked, he gave that phone number out and he told people to text pictures in New York City if he if they witnessed anybody that was violating the social distancing guidelines. And oh, what yeah. do you think 90% of his pictures were? It's like the funniest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. <laughs> groin, groin shots, nooch. It's like, what are you yep. wanting from people? You're so stupid. Yeah, yep. that's good. That's good. Well, I'm that's glad good. we didn't descend into the uh, the the thing where we start calling people Nazis. I I mean, you know, takes one to know one or something. No, I don't know. We just need to be aware of what's going on and, and realize that there's a lot of fear out there that's related to things that are medical and there's also fear related to the fact that there seems to be a lot of people that are trying to all of a sudden tell me what to do all the time and I don't like it. (laughs) Like the fact that I can't receive the body of Christ anymore. I guess it's nice. (sighs) Well, I gotta go. So be not afraid. But but wait, I'm worried. I'm worried about one more thing. What? I'm worried about what song we're going to have for this. By the way, that's called Godwin's Law. Uh, it, it says that as an online... <laughs> it, it is a law, too. It says, as an online discussion grows longer, the probability of a comparison involving Nazis or Hitler approaches one. Shut up, really? Yeah, that's Godwin's law. It truly, honestly is, and it is so true. And I was tempted during this during this podcast to start calling them tyrant, calling them Nazis, and making you know all those internet memes where show me your papers because that's what we're getting to. But I, I resisted, so Godwin, your law didn't apply here. All right, we're done, right? Can I go back to yeah. worrying now? I hope not. I've been oh, too busy to worry for the last almost an hour. I've been too busy to worry. Yay! See, we did something. Yeah, oh, shoot. Better. I forgot to press record. Dang it. Just kidding. All right, people. Keep moving forward. If you must worry, do it for a minute. Realize you're doing it. Offer it up to God. Pray and do something positive and forward-looking thinking. Yay. Bye. Let me give you my phone number. When you worry, call me. I make you happy. Don't worry. Be happy. Ain't got no cash. Ain't got no style. Ain't got no gal to make you smile. But don't worry. Be happy. When you worry, your face will frown, and that will bring everybody down. So don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy now. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy.
Don't worry, be happy. Now there is this song I wrote. I hope you learned it note for note like good little children. Don't worry. Be happy. So listen to what I say. In your life, expect some trouble. But when you worry, you make it double. So don't worry. Be happy. Be happy now. Don't worry. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, don't worry, don't do it. Be happy. Put a smile on your face. Don't bring everybody down like this. Don't worry. It will soon pass, whatever it is. Don't worry. Be happy. I'm not worried.